The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. They've had their warning. They've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bryans. That is remarkable from Arsenal. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, Chelsea double down for domestic glory. Man City fall short. And will the Saints go marching on or be wolfed down? It's Lindsay Hooper here with Kate Borsay and Chelsea Centurion Claire Rafferty. Kate and I are fresh from our trip to Wembley. We watched the FA Cup final at the weekend, but from very different vantage points. I imagine, Raf, that you were there as well. Yes, I was. It was a great day around. So let, let's just locate where we all were in Wembley Stadium. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Raf had the best seats out of the three of us. You won two FA Cups with Chelsea. You know that that's that's a rite of passage. I think. Yeah, I did um, have a prime prime seat in one of the boxes, but in one of the boxes. Oh, very nice, Kate. I haven't got a Scoobies where you were. You went and did the whole fan experience, but not 15 children in tow this time. Just, just no, then. thank God, just the one child in tow this time which was a huge relief I was on what felt like row 512,002 very high up so they didn't open all of the upper tier did they but they did open the upper tier on one side I'm not sure if from your prawn sandwiches you could crane your neck up that (laughs) high Uh, I couldn't quite see you there unfortunately (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) you know what it's it's going to be comforting for you to know Kate that however high up you were I was in the TV gantry which was also very high up so I think I'd have had eye level with you Uh, across the pitch because we were in the side of the stand that didn't have any fans so you must have been right opposite right opposite you yeah and I'd never been on the TV gantry at Wembley before because when you do soccer special updates often it's gantry position you go in rather than the press box so it was a new experience for me as well and one that for, for giving updates and being on as regular as I was, it was an absolute joy because it was that game that ebbed and flowed, didn't it? From from one side of the pitch to the other. We never saw Manchester City go in front. I thought that was going to happen at one point. There was that huge chance for Ellen White and then Chelsea go and score the third in extra time. What did you both think of it then as a spectacle? To be honest, I thought, I know it's been said, but I, I, I was incredibly nervous, so I didn't fully enjoy the game. But it was... So back and forth, wasn't it? Toe to toe constantly. And I just think both sides were so resilient. And I, I think, I actually think that Man City overall were the better sides. But I just think the cutting edge of Chelsea just totally just, you know, Sam Kerr, what can we say about her? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. We'll save that. We'll yes. save what we're going to say yeah. about her. Kate, your, your just overall impression before we get into the, the nuts and bolts? Overall impression, just in terms of the event, um, great to see so many families there again. Arthur was completely wowed by all the pyrotechnic stuff and the fireworks. And it was a big occasion. Um, but the big difference is it kind of never feels like it's too much, even though there were, well, as we know, a record over 49,000 fans there. It never it never feels like it's too much to take young kids. So yeah, we, we as a spectacle, we loved it. Yes, 49,094, the official attendance, a new competition record and goes to show that we're seeing growth in the game year on year, which is what we want to see more of. That was a brilliant uh, announcement that was received very well in the stadium and hopefully it'll be even more packed next year. Bright, deep cross in, and it's all the way in! Hemp, away from Bright, it's Lauren Hemp, oh! Manager move from England, it's Cuthbert! It's sensational! Oh, Russell, that's a really good touch, Hayley Russell! Kerr goes alone, and it's in! There we go, full time!
There we go, the FA Cup final, almost as dramatic as the Wagatha Christie trial, but fewer pigeon comparisons. <laughs> Just Google the pigeon, by the way. Uh, so Chelsea took the lead twice through a Millie Bright cross tapped in by Sam Kerr and then an Erin Cuthbert wonder strike. Both times Manchester City found a response thanks to Lauren Hemp and later to Hayley Rasso, who netted an equaliser just in time in the 89th minute. In the end, it came down to a City error in extra time, though, capitalised on by none other than Sam Kerr for a 3-2 win. With that, Chelsea retained the FA Cup for the domestic double just seven days after their WSL title victory. It did go to Chelsea in the end. Rafa, I'm going to pick you up on your earlier comment about overall Manchester City being the better side. Did that start for you in the first half? Yeah, I think they were the more aggressive out of the two teams. I think Chelsea are slow to start in most games anyway recently. But I, I, I think the overall quality of Man City was, was slightly higher. And as, as I said, they dominated the possession. They had more attempts on goal. I think they were a little bit more direct. But I, they just didn't really have that cutting edge, did they, in the end? Which I was so grateful for. <laughs> were there any points in the game where you think Gareth Taylor could have affected things more? I know when I was watching in the second half, there was a point where I thought Bunny Shaw was looking a bit laboured and it was screaming out for Ellen White to come yeah, on. Now, she eventually so. did. She eventually mm. did. But could it have happened earlier? You know, I think he's very trusting, isn't he? And obviously they had their game plan and, you know, all the cliches, stick to the game plan. But it was very obvious that something needed to change. I think it was the occasion as well that can get in your head, can't it? You can get a bit leggy. But I think maybe Ellen White coming on, was was it a little bit too late or was that tactical? I, I don't know if, if it would have changed the game that much, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I think he went with that style of play with, with Bunny Shaw. Ellen White obviously offered something different. But no, I actually, I, I think he, well, I'm, I'm happy he made the decision he did because Ben and White clearly is incredibly <laughs> dangerous in the box. Before we talk about how Chelsea did it, uh, Lauren Hemp needs a mention in this game. One of the best players uh, in the match. She didn't, didn't win player of the match because that deservedly went to Erin Cuthbert. But again, we saw what she's capable of. And I actually thought after the first half, Raf, that both teams needed to use the flanks a little bit more. It needed to, the game needed to stretch out wide a little bit, I thought. Lauren Hemp's goal was was brilliant. I mean, the uh, first goal we should mention, Sam Kerr, Millie Bright involved in that as well. And we know that Sam Kerr after the game didn't particularly like either of her goals. But if we want to talk about the glory of goals in this game, we've got to start with Lauren Hemp's. That didn't, Lindsay, it didn't look like it was going in, first of all, did it? It was a lovely curve. It was great. And what she'd done was got to the byline on several occasions. And I'll be interested to know Raf's thought on this because I noticed it was Millie Bright who had the duty of marking her on this occasion. Now, every other attack, it had been Jess Carter, who I thought had managed to get the best of her. I mean, Lauren Hemp had been a huge threat, but she hadn't really got past Jess Carter. For the goal, what you noticed is that it was Millie Bright she managed to get past. So she dinked the yeah. ball inside. Were you thinking the same thing when you saw yeah. Millie up against her? Well, you know what? I think it's so frustrating when so uh, when you're in that wide positions, you want to be showing Lauren help down 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 that down the uh, wing just to force her out of the play. But she you know she actually ended up shifting her body weight back, didn't she? And and that enabled her to get that shot. And I think the agility of potentially maybe Jess Carter being up against her in that position, having played there all season and defending one on one way like like that, it it takes a lot of concentration. You take your your mind off it for two seconds, or you your body you shift your body weight in one direction, and then before you know it, you've you've given her and so a player like Lauren Hemp, you give her that little bit of space like that, and she just curled it. She'd be absolutely kicking herself because it's 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 something that she'd be working on, forcing them players wide. And I think Jess Carter would have been maybe slightly more equipped to defending at that. And as you said, she was she'd been doing such a great job. And I think Lauren Hemp just seized her opportunity. Mm. Um saying that Millie Bright was was a stalwart in the in the back there for Chelsea. Yeah, she 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 certainly was. I thought Ellie Roebuck in the city goal came off her line on on kind of a few too many occasions for me. There was at one point before a goal had been registered, Sam Kerr kind of was sort of able to kind of round her. Um, the goal was disallowed for offside rightly. But I I think I would probably pick up Ellie Roebuck as someone I thought who, you know, perhaps made a few too many errors or, or you know, certainly more than I'm used to seeing her make. Isn't that a combination, though, Raph, of, of the high line? 
that City were playing as well. It's not just falling on, on Ellie Robot there. Yeah, you know, I think it's, there's a real fine line of trust there when you're playing at um, a high defensive line. Your keeper has to be switched on to them spaces and then frets in behind, especially knowing that Sam Kerr, once she gets the opportunity and once she sniffs that little bit of space, and I think that, that opportunity you're talking about there where she, she like tapped it round her, didn't she? Because mm. um, Robot got caught in the kind of the half spaces. But I do think that... If she hadn't have come off the line, it would have been an easier run for for Sam Kerr. So she, in that occasion, I think she had to come out. But that was for that back line to assess, and that needed a little bit of um, kind of experience. Someone needed to call that, didn't they? Because there was a few occasions where the gap was just a little bit too big. Kate's already mentioned that Sam Kerr wasn't as impressed with her finishes for this one. And I think if you compare with the last day of the season, (laughs) you can absolutely understand why she got used to the the (laughs) top of the glory trail. And still she managed to to provide the winner in this one. But the goal of the match certainly was Erin Cuthbert's. And as I was doing the updates on Sky, the thing that I'd noticed just beforehand, Raph, in the lead up to that goal is that she had a she had a shot that got deflected and should have been a corner kick. And she went crazy Crazy. (laughs) because it was, it was given as a goal kick. And I thought, you wait, you don't want Erin Cuthbert being angry. No, you don't. don't That's what she does. (laughs) (laughs) She's like a little nutter when you get her uh, wound up like that. She's just, she's full of energy anyway. So when she feels like something's not gone away, yeah, it's not Erin Cuthbert you want to be playing up against, to be honest. I think she, yeah, I mean, that finish was absolutely outstanding, wasn't it? Do you have a favourite finish? Because for me, I think when it when it just kisses the underside of the crossbar and goes in, I love those. There's, yeah, I mean the way that ball lifted as well, it just floated in into that into that uh, top corner. I think I don't really ever remember kissing the top of a crossbar with any of my shots, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think when you can observe, I'd love to be. I'd love to have been standing behind that and watched that go in yeah. on the pitch because it, it would have looked even more beautiful. Hold your breath for a minute, Raph, because Emma Hayes afterwards, uh, she said, they are the best team I've ever coached. We have a group of people that won't be on the losing team. They will find a way. As a former player that has been on the... On the- <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, try and put that to one side. But, um, but do you see the qualities all over the pitch in this Chelsea team? And that I tell you what, the, the there's part of me that's also going to be a bit of a doom gloomer on that and say, if this is the best team she's ever coached, and we see what happened in the Champions League and how far off they are from Barcelona. Does it also yeah. tell us how far there is to go? Yeah, look, I think it is. I think the mentality of the team, the individual quality and the way that they absorb the information and play as a team and are just absolutely ruthless. I think it is the best team. It is for sure. I think every single person on that pitch is a winner. And and by that, I mean kind of off the pitch as well. It's not so, as a just what they do on the pitch it's the kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes the scrutiny that they put through each other in the in the classrooms the way they hold each other accountable but saying that it does just showcase that their gap is still there because Champions League is is the pinnacle of of women's football and hopefully she can maybe recruit some more players to uh, potentially get them up to that stage but I don't really know where where you're going to get them from. If you're a world-class player, I think Chelsea is is safely becoming, and you've seen that with the recruitment of Sam Curl and Penella Harder as well. Chelsea is fast becoming one of the best clubs to go to, and a lot of players will go there because of Emma Hayes, particularly if they are very, very good players, but they need a coach who's going to get really involved with them and perhaps offer them something different to what they've experienced elsewhere in their career. You know, Raph, a lot of people will be asking, now that the season's come to an end apart from the Champions League final, of course, and a few other games, but but in terms of Chelsea. And a lot of people, you know, are, are asking about how and why this Chelsea team find a way to win, even when they're not the best team on the pitch, as we've alluded to. Can you remember from your time whether there is a secret ingredient there? Maybe it's grown over time, I don't know. But what does Emma Hayes do for her team that means that even if they aren't the most experienced players on the pitch, that they always find a way to win, even if they're not the best side. Just kind of thinking back to training and even, as you said, even if you're not the most experienced player or young player or maybe you're, you're not even up to that level of, of playing, 
what happens is when you're in training, you're not allowed to leave that training pitch until someone's won. So you'd have to be, there would always be a winner and a loser and it didn't matter what game you were playing. And I think it has something to do with that every single day on the pitch, you know, when you're, you're training, you, you, you've got outcomes from that session and there will always be an emphasis on who's going to win, who's going to lose. And don't be on that losing team because the repercussions are, normally they're just banter, the repercussions, but it, it kind of grows and grows and grows. And over a season, the kind of the camaraderie builds up around that. And then also that, that is that transitions into into the classroom and, you know, even that's just the standards of, of, you know, being on time, you know, the basics, being on time, you know, showing respect, making sure you're doing all the right things, making sure you're doing the right things for your team and not being selfish. And then the accountability in them sessions or the classroom sessions, you know, every player will be given their, their, their video highlights and they'll be held accountable for what they could have done better. And that is showcased in front of the whole squad. So you're accountable every single day. And I think that breeds a mentality. Mm. I mean, it helps bringing in world-class players and having the money to do so. That obviously helps. But I think once you've got that standard of playing, then the mentality is what wins games. And that only increases every time you manage to put another line on the list of honours, doesn't it? You know, this yeah. is a fourth FA Cup under Emma Hayes. It's the third time that Chelsea yeah. have done the FA Cup and the league double. So, you know, you, you put in that in the history and, and it does just breed a, a more of a winning mentality yeah. full stop within the structure of the club. Let's let's leave some of the analysis there. But on social media, it is worth pointing out because we have got very outspoken players in this Chelsea team. Penilla Harder and Magdalena Eriksson both went online to show their support to Blackpool's Jake Daniels, who came out as the UK's only openly gay current professional footballer. Now, Jake is just 17 years old. So what a brave, brave move for him to make. Harder and Eriksson obviously have a high profile relationship themselves and do a lot of work with organisations like Stonewall. The women's game is obviously not coming from the same place. It's clearly a space where it's much more accepted. Players are a lot more open about it. But I think this might be a discussion point at some point in the future, Raf, that the fact that it is so much more accepting. I'm sure there is good and bad to that. We like it to be a really open, inclusive space. I'm sure within teams, though, we all know relationships also can break up and that might not be good from a, from a team point of view. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that women's football is more of an uh, an open space and there's a lot more accepted, as you said, is there are good and bad with that. But the fact that, you know, it's taken a, a young 17-year-old boy to come out and, as the first, it's and, um, and I can't even imagine some of the some of the repercussions he, he might have had. But I think actually him opening himself up, it kind of, it can remove the, the 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 stigma that's attached to it because you're you're not hiding anything anymore. So I think that's why in women's football, there's more openly gay people. So the more there is, the more people feel comfortable, right? In 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 actually coming out. So hopefully he will pave the way for for other players to come out and just feel a bit more comfortable. And and he should be incredibly proud of himself. Yeah, absolutely. Just before we move on from all things Manchester City and Chelsea, we should mention that the Sky Blue all-time record scorer, Georgia Stanway, is leaving her club, Manchester City, uh, this summer. She signed a three-year deal at Bayern Munich. Uh, the Telegraph have also said that Lucy Bronze is looking at the NWSL in the States for a possible move. And before we've even had chance for the ink to dry from those post-match reports, uh, Caroline Weir and Bunny Shaw also being rumoured for moving abroad to Real Madrid and PSG, respectively. Wow, it just all starts so quickly, doesn't it, in the, in the women's game with these short contracts, Kate? Yeah, and in other transfer chat, the Athletics Flo Lloyd Hughes says that Vivian Miedemar is close to a one-year contract extension with Arsenal, despite rumours tying her with Barcelona. Northern Ireland's Simone McGill has also announced she'll be leaving Everton after nine years at the club. Brighton and West Ham have lost six players already, while five key Spurs players have renewed their contracts. And in terms of managers, ex-Birmingham manager Scott Booth will take over at Lewis in the Championship, real sign of intent from them. And ex-Leicester City manager Jonathan Morgan is going to manage Burnley Women in Tier 3. Let's just look at the sort of broader view on all that. The one thing I want to say is a Man City exodus, Claire, which is... Which has surprised me a bit, right? Because you feel like if City had had the form they had in the second half of the season the whole way through, they would be celebrating a very successful season indeed. But it feels like players are getting impatient, are they? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, the way they turned the season around was is credit to them. But I think the cracks were showing like, that first half of the season, the dependence on some of them players. I think to see some of them exiting is, is a bit of a shock, actually. I'm surprised by, by Stanway. But sometimes you just, I think if you've been at a club for such a long time, she potentially might want to experience new things. And 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 maybe maybe it's not all well behind the scenes. You know, we don't really know, do we? But I think they were in a club in transition and, it might actually help them in the long run because I think they do have to reinvent themselves like every team has to do every single season. And as you said, it happens so quickly. There's not even a time to put your champagne glass down, is there, um, before yeah, things, start, I think, things start moving on? I think it's weird, though, because you'd expect maybe Lucy Bronze to think about another move kind of as she sort of enters into that period of her career where you know she's not going to have tons of seasons left. But I am surprised too by Georgia Stanway. Caroline Weir as well. You know, those are two such strong City players. And there may be others to come as well. So uh, interesting to watch that one. These short contracts that all of the players have been on for some time, and Raph, you'll know this only too well, you can give us some insight into what your contracts look like. But they're so short term that now players are going to start wanting to get moves. They're wanting to get that transfer fee. Agents are involved. They're going to want their piece of the pie as well. And that's why we're going to see longer deals and it won't happen like it will this summer again, in my opinion. Yeah, this, the short-term contracts, and I was always on short-term contracts, and it's, it does make you feel unsettled. And I think as the game is progressing, um, players want that, that security and they will go looking for it. Um, and in, if a club's not going to offer them it, say Man City might have a policy where they don't do that. You know, they might not be willing to off, offer their players what they want and they can get more elsewhere um, and they can get stability with that. I think because your career is, is short, there's also something about feeling safe when you're in a team. And I know Stanway's been there such a long time, so it's probably a different situation. But I think having that offer of a longer term contract, it, it allows you, it just gives you a bit more confidence. So I'm sure that mm. that transfers onto the pitch. And I know what, what, whilst my career, I was almost, almost playing every single game to, for a new contract. So I think it either, I, I don't know whether it, it kind of was beneficial really, because it just keep pushing you on. But I think there, there is a fine line, isn't there, between that kind of safety aspect. And yeah, as you said, agencies getting involved, the women's football world is opening up. So you'll see a lot more movement which is which is great for the game but also you know we want to be keeping the talent in WSL so yeah it'll be, be interesting to see why I suppose with Stanway it could just be about developing her game the chance to play abroad yeah. and you know fair enough right then to cap off the domestic season we've got a little game for you everyone it's very exciting fingers on the buzzers um it's our way of looking back over the season and of all our shows as well it could be potentially humiliating for us Lindsay this by the way (laughs) I'm just going to put that in there we're going to play a line from an interview that we've done this season and you or we have to guess who said it are you ready we are the two most competitive ones here come on waiting come on (laughs) clip number one yeah, I do have a lot of superstition before the game and it's always, ever since I've been at Chelsea, it's been chewing up to the very detail of my assistant coach. I will go give her a piece of tissue, have chewing gum, and then after the what first bit of the warm-up before the rondos, I go give it to her and it's just, and now Millie started doing it as well. Very superstitious. I don't know how that's been noticed, but um, <laughs> yeah. That's my laugh, isn't it? That is you. So yeah. you interviewed this person, so yeah, you, should, you should get this right. get this. Oh my God. I think I, I know who it is. Are we saying it out loud who we think it is? Yeah, go you on. can go yeah, first okay. on this one, Ralph. Okay. Is it Neve Charles? I'm going to go Bethany England. I'm going to go Bethany England. Oh no, I think you're right. Oh. It's Neve Charles. Oh yes. Oh! I thought, okay, so I went between Beth and Neve. Okay. I need oh, a point deduction, don't I? Because I was the one doing the interview. Sorry, Neve. There we terrible, go. Chewing gum. Terrible. Chewing gum routines. Okay. Are you ready for clip number two? Yes. If they're all Chelsea, then this is a fix. Yeah. I, I actually learned a lot with the pillows. Like, they matter a lot. Uh, and, and as an athlete, like he was saying, we should sleep on the side, like not on the stomach, which is kind of interesting. He was saying how bad it is for the back hips and knees. And could it go all the way down to the ankles when you, we sleep on our backs or oh, on our right. stomach? So just like stuff like that that you wouldn't really think about. I remember this one. Do you, Inns? <sighs> I know Sophie did the interview and it was all about sleep. Yes. And I can't Clearly. Remember, I can't remember. I know. <laughs> Do you have any ideas? 
I can't remember who. I don't know. Sounds sounds. Was it Danny Brinner's daughter? Oh. It was Brynjars de Tier. Yes. yes. From West Ham. Oh, oh well yes. done, Kate. I thought West Ham, you know. I, I thought West Ham. <laughs> I thought West Ham. All right, right. I, I did think yeah. West Ham as well. I, I was thinking to begin with, um, how is Sissoko? And then I, then I was thinking, no, that's not got the, the French tones to it. Are you ready for clip number three? Oh, you're one each. Yeah, I, I need to be ready. Islands in the stream. That is what we are. No one in between. How can we be wrong? That's them, them Man, Man United lot, isn't it? It's Man United, definitely. <laughs> um, oh but God, who? I can't, I can't even think of the name. I can't think of the name. Was it Ella Toon? Yeah, I'm going Ella Toon. I'm going Ella Toon. I knew that one. There we go. Ella Toon with a tune. Lovely voice. Lovely voice. I think we can say there. Uh, let's go for clip number four. Then I've also got three children that I run around after. <laughs> Also going to be a grandma, so I'm not. Oh, congratulations! Need, but I'm probably going to be the only grandma. In the league, so <laughs> there's, there's lots of juggling that goes on to try and try and get in play. Honestly, do you know any grannies? This point, whoever that is. Yeah. So this point in the season, I have to say, my brain is fried. I remember us both, Kate, doing this interview, and it was someone from a lower league. Yes. I'm going to say Coventry. Yes. It was, was it Coventry, Coventry or it was, was it Coventry. Ipswich? It was Dawn Peace from Chesham United. That's right. Wow. 25, 25 seasons. seasons. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had 25 uh, seasons. Yeah. I think absolutely fine that we didn't get that one. Let's go. Not really. Clip. We did do the interview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys should be Sorry. doing really, really I mean, Raph's really a little really bit Dawn. at a disadvantage, yeah. isn't she? <laughs> uh, let's go for clip number five. I remembered what went before. I remembered the player, you know. I know. Hope Where we had to, to pay to play, where we, we travelled on a Friday oh, yeah. to play on oh, a God, Sunday. Hope. We had one day oh, God, and, and a half-day preparation was... for a, a major international international fixture. I don't know if you remember, Kerry, we, we slept on a gym floor before, training on the beach, training on – I mean, it's just night and day. Hope Powell, I'm getting in there early because I need to get that. Yeah, I mean, that voice, I recognise that. It is Hope Powell. Congratulations. <laughs> right. Could this be a decider? I think, are we all on one each? Pretty much, yeah, because we all knew Ella. Well, no, you and I knew Ella Toon. I kind of knew it. I got half a point. Raph did. She just couldn't couldn't remember the name. Yeah. So so this is the decider. Are you ready for our final clip? I just think that we we, we too easily accept that we can't do it in women's game because of money. And it's like, well, no, Ennia let's Luko. challenge that. Yay! <laughs> Enia Luko. And it was when we interviewed her before she went out to join Angel City. Correct. Well done, Lindsay Hooper. But Raph knew that. Raph knows that voice. Oh, yeah, I knew that. I just let you have it because I didn't want you to lose. <laughs> <laughs> That's the game concluded then. I think... I mean, we can be kind and give that to you, Lindsay. No, I, to you be know, honest, I have to Raph, be. I have to just, hold my hands up when okay. it's not worthy. I think we we all sort of won that yeah. because well, we Sometimes all failed. It's better it, to let Lindsay is. win, Raph. I'm not sure if okay, you're like that a, too. I mean, just yeah. I mean, yeah. No, well I'm done. not that. It's, sunny. It's, it's a lovely day. You can have your day today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of great interviews, by the way, for you to listen through to if you want to head back to any of the prior episodes of the season do let us know if you got any of those rights on twitter at the athletic uk or at offside rule pod now time to stop looking back and start focusing on what's to come this is the athletic women's football podcast with kate borsay and Lindsay hooper if you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a subscription now for just £1 a month for the next six months by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod. Well, a really big thing coming up, of course, is the Euros this summer. And Serena Wiegmann's just announced her provisional England squad for Euro 2022. The 28-player squad is going to be whittled down to the final 23-player squad in the second week of June. But to digest what we've got so far, we uh, thought we'd bring in the athletic women's football reporter, Charlotte Harper, for her reaction to the announcement. Charlotte, let's start with the inclusion of Steph Horton, Frank Kirby and Jill Scott, all of whom are injured at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, doubts over their fitness 
especially Steph Horton, who had surgery on her Achilles injury. She hasn't played for Manchester City since January. Her last appearance for Great Britain was in the Olympics last July. And she hasn't played under Serena Wiegmann. Her last appearance for England was not the February just gone, but before that. So that is an interesting inclusion. Fran Kirby, great to see her back in. Emma Hayes actually said before the FA Cup final that she had completed all of Chelsea's training. She was looking fine and as if she'd never been away. And then Jill Scott also working uh, on her fitness. But they've obviously done enough uh, to be included in Wiegmann's provisional squad. One of the the pieces of news we were expecting, it is sad, but we thought it might be coming, was that Jordan Nobbs would be in a mission because of her knee injury. That's deemed to be the case. But, I mean, we can't read too much into that. It would have been incredible. I mean, miraculous for her to be included and, and to have any chance of coming back for this summer, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think Arsenal fans, but fans at large, were holding on to the fact that Jonas Edeval, the Arsenal manager, didn't rule Nobbs out of this summer's Euros. She didn't play the last two games of the WSL season. Uh, and so there was still some hope, but it's the worst news feared. And that's three consecutive major tournaments she misses out on due to injury, which is just uh, rotten for Jordan. I just want to, th- I mean, Linz, we were just, just talking about this a little earlier, about whether it's too much of a risk to have Steph Horton and Jill Scott. We totally understand why they're there. But, you know, part of me thinks, yes, it's important to have Steph there, but why couldn't she be part of the backroom team or couldn't they find another role that didn't mean kind of having to use a squad place on her? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's a, it's a playing place that's been taken up. And I just think the lack of competitive football, it would be a huge ask. And I, I think what you're getting at there as well, Kate, is that, She's going to be a huge influence, former captain, great to have in the dressing room, great to have around the squad of players. But yeah, to be listed as one of the players to go through, I'd, maybe that will still happen because this, this of course, is a, a provisional list. Yeah, um, so maybe that, that could... Yeah, that might actually be the case. I think with um, with Jill Scott, we we know how much it means to all of these to play for England. I mean, especially Jill, who we've spoken to over many years. But again... I would wonder whether that's purely because they need a little bit of experience in that midfield area. Now, if Frank Kirby is deemed fit enough, it might be that when this squad gets whittled down again, we might see Jill Scott's omission there because you will have a bit of experience with Kirby and maybe Staniforth, for instance, or Kirby and Walsh, who've got so much experience between them. But when you're bringing in Katie Zellum and, and looking at, the the front line as well that they've got to serve and those partnerships that we've talked about previously at club level that you can take into England. I think there's so much more at play here. And Charlotte, I don't know whether you do that as well when you're going through this team list. You look at who plays together week in, week out in WSL and whether they're going to link up and take that form into England. And then there's just the form as it is and who's just been brilliant you know you look at the the defense and you think Jess Carter's earned a place because of her form at Chelsea this campaign is that how you dissect it all I think those partnerships are really important but they're not something to cling on to especially as an England collective no matter who you play for whether it's Chelsea or Manchester City who really dominate the England squad I mean looking down the list you can have Manchester City starting 11 there Uh, you have to click as a team, um, regardless of your domestic club. And that's what I'm sure Serena Wiegmann will be enforcing in, in those preparation camps. Any other surprises or comments from you on this uh, this squad selection as it is so far, Charlotte? I think Lucy Staniforth just hints at perhaps our lack of depth in midfield. I know she's at times struggled um, with injury throughout this season. She's only made five appearances for Manchester United. So her inclusion is just a hint at perhaps the needing the need to reinforce in that midfield area. That's so true because you, you look at Manchester United squad, they've got Jade Moore and I think they'd be sort of like for like, wouldn't they? A Staniforth or a Moore in that squad that we know have played for England before, but really wouldn't be getting in a starting eleven right now at this moment in time. I don't know. Would you go fully out, Charlotte? If you if you were Serena Wiegmann, are you are you going to trust in the youth more for this summer tournament than you are with tried and tested players? 
The thing is, it depends on the injuries. If Jill Scott, Fran Kirby in that midfield stay fit, you think, okay, we'll go with that blend. But if those two are out, then you think, oh, goodness, we're on, you know, slightly thinner ground here. Um, so the next couple of weeks in these preparation camps will be crucial in, in how they perform in terms of fitness. Well, look, we've got those preparation games to go. Let's see where this 28-player squad is whittled down to 23 players and, of course, a very exciting summer ahead. Charlotte, you're going to be all across it as well. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Athletic Women's Football reporter, Charlotte Harper. Thank you. Before the Euros start, uh, there's still some important matches left to play. Uh, Coming up this weekend, it's the Champions League final. Barcelona taking on Lyon in Turin on Saturday night. Uh, It's the sort of old guard versus the new guard. Is that how we're going to pitch it? But who's everybody's money on? (laughs) Anyone for for Lyon? Or are we all going Barcelona? Sorry, Barcelona. Yeah, but, but, but but I actually think it'll be a really decent decent game this one Arda Hegerberg's back isn't she for Leon? and they they have all the history on this I know Barcelona won it last time but Leon have got such an incredible record in this Champions League final it will feel really familiar to them and I don't think you can underestimate that it would be a, a really nice part of the narrative as well if Leon coach Sonia Bonpasta could be the first person in history to win the Women's Champions League as a coach and a player. I'm not sure we're going to get to see it, but that it's a possibility is huge. What about key players? And I'm going to ask you, Raph, not to mention Alexia Putillas <laughs> or Arda Hegerberg. I wasn't going to. <laughs> uh, who else are you watching out for? I mean, I've got a Leon player who I'm always excited to see. Um, what about Barcelona? Um, I think for me, uh, Bon Matty, she, uh, I think the way, she's so electric when she plays, an attacking midfielder, um, and she seems to be scoring goals when it counts. I think she's one to watch, definitely, and obviously the obvious that you've, you've said. But then also for Leon Backer, who is the assist queen for them at the moment, so I think she, equally, she's injected a bit of youth in. I mean, they're not old, obviously, but they've, they've got their history. It makes them feel like they've been around for ages, doesn't it, Leon? Yeah. But I think she is going to inject a little bit of dynamism to the team. Uh, a player who you've come up against before, Wendy Renard. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I um, do too. She's yeah. still got my extensions in, in her hand, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Your hair extension? <laughs> yes, yes. Have you heard this story? No, come on, tell oh, us. don't. Oh, okay, so when we were playing in the Sheep Leaf Cup, uh, we were playing France and I was defending her. I don't think I was actually defending her. So somehow I was charged. I was challenging her in the air and she, she got my, she ended up pulling my hair from the from the corner and she pulled my extension out and like it was on the floor. So yeah, it was a funny, they didn't score anything from it, but I remember like KB had to, Karen had to go and pick the hair up because I was like, I don't know what to do with it. It was on the floor, it's expensive. But, I mean, there's, there's a story. You. Yeah, Did I you have it re reinserted in? Well, I mean, it ripped out my hair. So I had a little ball patch for a bit, just in the back of my head. Yeah. I mean, there's a lesson. Don't wear hair extensions when you play. But I like I like to have a long ponytail, you know? So The um, French were also responsible for giving Laura Bassett a black eye, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, they've got a bad reputation. It's not pulling out hair. It's giving people black eyes. Well, look, Renard, centre-back for Lyon, She's still only 31. It feels like she'd be much older than that. But the reason why I pick her out is that she scored in both legs of the semi-final against Paris Saint-Germain. And so just never, ever write off the excellence that is Wendy Renard. She is, well, she's collected a winner's medal in all seven of Lyon's Champions League victories, uh, along with Boadi and uh, Le Sommaire as well. But uh, yeah, you know, Lyon have these, have these absolute heavyweight, excellent players and... I'm looking forward to it. I think if Caroline Graham Hansen's listening, then she, maybe she should wear a swimming cap. Yeah, <laughs> she should. You know, you've got to do all things to protect, protect your fine hair, you know. You've got to win at all costs. That's what these winners do, though, you know. You've got to give it to her. I would be so worried if someone took a clump of my hair out and I got a ball patch, I would be worried how long it would take to grow back. Yeah, well, luckily it was like underneath, so you couldn't really see it. But um, yeah, it was... Can imagine if you had false eyelashes on as well, Raph, and she hung on to I those think I probably too. did. I think <laughs> Yeah. They didn't, she, didn't, she didn't get her hands on them though. Thank God. 
Oh, well, you can please. watch the Champions League final. Uh, it sounds like for other reasons than just whether <laughs> there's hair on display. But um, you can watch it for free on DAZN's YouTube channel starting at 6pm UK time. And in the UK on Saturday, it's the Women's National League playoff final between Wolves woohoo, <laughs> and Southampton <laughs> FC women to decide who gets a place in the championship. Uh, we spoke to Saints manager Marianne Spacey-Kale on the podcast earlier in the season about how the club is investing big in the first team and the pathway. And today we're chatting to the opposition manager Dan McNamara from Wolves. Hi, Dan. Great to have you on. I'm going to paint a picture for all of our listeners right now because we don't have uh, the benefit of video uh, for them as they're listening to this. But you are kitted out in camouflage gear because you are an RAF duty aircraft technician. Am I right with that title? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. So you are on duty right now and you are going to be missing the final because of work. How has that gone down? It's something that I've known about since January. And I think I tried to park it. Uh, I tried to sort of forget about it. And uh, listen, I've been away before. I know what it's like to go away from family and friends. But this time it was it was really gutting. You know, back in January, it was still a long, a long way to go. And I don't think any of us ever dreamt of being in this position where we were, we were going to be in the playoffs. So, yeah, the closer it got, the more emotive I got. And, and in the end, they had to tell the girls and, yeah, it's, it's an emotional time and, and uh, you know, anyone that knows me knows that I'm devastated. But uh, the Air Force has given me so much over the years and unfortunately it's time for me to to give a little bit back on what will be the, the biggest game in the club's history. Where are you going to be watching it then? Just just paint the scene. So it, it's very similar to what I'll be doing, uh, what I was doing on Wednesday for the County Cup final against the Albion. I'm, I'm in this little uh, this little box room, if you like. Uh, it's about a meter by a meter, and uh, and this is the best the best room to get Wi-Fi at, at the speed I need to to watch the game. So the club are, are going to stream it to me again, allow me to have contact with the bench. So I'm trying to look at it as a bit of a positive. It gives me a, a different perspective on the game and allows me to see things that I probably wouldn't see if I was in that emotional state on the sideline that many people have seen me in before. So onwards and upwards. You're going to be texting away, basically, feeding into the team. Well, well, yeah, well, thankfully, I'll, I'll have ear contact. So I'll be able to talk to the to the, the boys and, and stuff on the side. And, and uh, you know, as I said, still be able to influence, you know, the decisions and, and see where we can improve, et cetera, or, or where we're going, you know, incredibly well. So just to have that contact with the, with the bench will be fantastic and be able to, to see the girls in action is, is something I didn't think I was going to get a few weeks ago. I just think this means that you get double party celebrations because if they do go on and win, you will also get to celebrate when you're back as well. So you can just keep extending it. Uh, For anyone who's not followed your progress and will be maybe watching this game as the first time they'll be watching Wolves women, who is it that you think they should be keeping an eye out for? You know what? I think that's the thing that's had us so much success over the years is there isn't one individual. We've built a culture that isn't about one person it's not about a, a staff member it's not about a player it's about all 20 30 people that are involved in what we've tried to do coming together and being united and 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 the togetherness in the group is fantastic so I would I would urge everyone to to watch and, and see the heart and the desire that these girls play with you know they've been hurt many times over the last few years and you see that on the pitch um and they're a credit to the club I keep telling it to everyone that I speak to that they're an amazing bunch of girls and and hopefully they can, you know, get over the line and, and, and prove everyone just how good they are on Saturday. Can you just run through that hurt? Because this is what is going to absolutely be stoking the fire for them and something that I've I've learned of over the last couple of years myself and just been furious on your behalf. Yeah, so it first started off at COVID. Um, obviously, we moved uh, fully under the, the club umbrella a few years ago and we had a fantastic season. We were three points away from the title and the return back to Tier 3 and, and COVID took that away from us. Um, the, the National League made the decision to to scrap the league uh, and we had to start again. So, you know, that took a lot out of the girls and then for it to happen again a second time round, you know, I, listen, I know we was in a, a worldwide pandemic and um I'm not complaining about the. There's a lot bigger things going on in that moment, but to have it taken away from them a second time round was, was was horrible, really. And I know a lot of us, including myself, questioned whether we had it in us to go again. But 
you know, we, we, we got the upward movement promotion into tier three. And, and listen, as I said, the, the hurt that the girls have, have experienced over the last few years has, has certainly helped them along. And as I said, nobody expected us to be in this position where we've won tier three and, and we're now going into a, a playoff. And, and listen, I, I think, uh, talk about hurt. I think this, this game's a disgrace. I think if I'm being honest, I think you win a league, you deserve, you, you've proved you're more than good enough to, to, to be a part of the next level. But to have to go through this again is 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 something else that uh, I know that is hurting the girls. It's not right, mm. um, but these girls have come through a lot in the past and, and I'm sure they'll do it again on Saturday. Daniel, absolutely right to urge caution over the fact that this is kind of the third time, really, the girls are going for this and you don't want them to be disappointed again. So I can understand why you say it doesn't feel fair for there to be a playoff in the first place. So I presume then you would like to see two places created in the championship, two uh, two promotion places. Absolutely. And listen, I, I, I've, I've had this view for the last few years. I've, I've watched the women's game for a long time now and, and everybody in the FA and everybody involved goes on about growing the game and we'll let it grow. If, if we're that desperate to let the game grow, then let's let it grow. And, you know, you've got two, two clubs in a playoff final who are hugely backed by the men. They're both big clubs and they're desperate to break into the elite game. But again, one of them is going to miss out. And listen, away from Wolves and, and Southampton, we've got Ipswich, we've got Nottingham Forest, we've got Derby. The, the list is endless of clubs that are waiting to break into the. But listen, it, it, I just urge whoever is involved in these decision-making to, to look at it. You know, it, it, it would be devastating if it changed over this summer, you know, and we, we had to, you know, look at next season. But Whoever needs to make those decisions, it has to change. Stop protecting the top of the game. Stop protecting the elite game and allow these clubs to break into it and, and really let's, let's, let's grow it together. I hate to break it to you, but I think something is going to happen over the summer. And the reason that I say this is I was at the FA Cup final on Sunday and I chatted to Baroness Sue Campbell about this issue. I only had a few minutes with her, but I thought about it and I, I wanted to bring it up. And she said, look, the situation with Southampton and Wolves, we are looking at right now. I think there's probably conversations going on. Let's imagine, as long as you're not too superstitious, Dan, because you would have thought about this over the last few seasons. Let's imagine you're in the championship. Tell us what would need to happen at Wolves to make you a championship-ready club. And, and this is this is the most frustrating thing. I think for, for us as a club is is we're we're ready. I think, um, you know, fertilities wise, everything that's going on in the background, the structure of the club, we're ready to go. And, and listen, I'm not saying that we, we don't need to make improvements. Of course we do. But, you know, even 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 the way we're you're held back until this point, you know, on Saturday, on the 21st of May, somebody will find out they're going to enter the championship. Now, you've then got weeks, dare I say, days to start preparing to go into the elite professional game. You've got to sign players, you've got to put players on contracts, you've got to decide the staff contract. The the, the list is endless. So even the timescales, you're up against it. You know, obviously you want to stay in the league. That's That's got to be your main aim. And I just don't think they help. I just don't think it, it, the whole thing needs looking at. But listen, Wolves are ready to go. Southampton are ready to go. I know it will be an amazing occasion on Saturday, but it, it, as I said earlier on, and I'll keep saying it, it, it'll just be a real shame that one of them has to return Groundhog Day uh, and potentially do it all again next season in Tier 3. And most people that are huge advocates of the Championship as well want to see that league turn fully professional. So are you saying that you'd be on the brink of being able to turn the club fully professional, give out contracts, people like yourself? I mean, you'd be split between the RAF and Wolves, wouldn't you, again? Going fully professional is a, is a completely different argument. I think we've got to look at the the money that's involved in in the women's game. You know, there's you don't want to take away opportunities for girls who who want to continue in the careers that they're in. I know at Wolves we're we're looking at something what would allow us to keep hold of of those players. You know, we don't want to lose our our players who effectively have got us there because they they don't want to turn the back on their careers. So, you know, hybrid models and those kind of things. It can work. I just don't think the money is there for the for the league to go fully professional yet. But that's just my opinion. You know, that's not an opinion of Wolves or or anybody associated to the club. So, yeah, listen, it's got a long way to go. But as I said right the way back at the start of this, let's grow the game, allow the game to grow, and and you know stop stop bottlenecking the top of the pyramid because there's <laughs> great great clubs who are 
they're desperate to break into that elite game. We hear you. And let's hope for some sort of news soon on that. Listen, best of luck for Saturday to Wolves women and, and also to Southampton women as well. It's great to see two teams battle it out, even if we want both of them to go up into the championship. I hope it's a great game for you. And thanks for speaking to us. Brilliant. Thanks a lot for your time, ladies. Good luck to Wolves. Heartfelt from me as a Wolverhampton Wanderers fan through and through. And to Saints, of course, for that playoff final on Saturday. It's been reported it might be shown on the BBC. I've seen all those mutings, nothing confirmed yet, but hopefully we'll all be able to watch it. Well, that's all we've got time for in this week's Athletic Women's Football podcast. Uh, thank you very much to you, Claire Rafferty. Do you have any grand plans for the off-season? Um, no, not off-season for me. I think I'll just be uh, working hard as usual. Are you doing anything for the Euros? Um, I think I'd be doing it a bit here and there. But I'm actually looking forward to to watching it. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to getting my England shirt on and my flag and my face painted, to be honest. Surely there's <laughs> going to be a few celebrity appearances. Oh, uh, I mean, as if there's any. As it's a home Euros. I need to know how this works. Do you what? You wear your old shirts, your old actual never, England shirts? Never, never, never. I couldn't bring myself to do that. I think that's... Where that's are something. your old shirts, Raph? I think, actually, the room I'm currently sitting, they're in the wardrobe. A lot of them I've given away for things, but I keep a few, mm. just some of the main ones. I keep them in, in the wardrobe. Are they unwashed? Uh, yeah, they are, actually. <laughs> they are. I've just put them straight in. In oh the, no, the, let's the close bag. the show, Kate. We're going to get weird messages now. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get really uh, weird oh, messages. No. If anyone wants a used shirt, it comes at a price. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, look, it's been so lovely to speak to you, Claire Rafferty. Um, Thank you so much for joining us again. And hopefully uh, we'll speak to you over the summer, if not then in the new season when that all begins. Thank you to our listeners as well for listening. We've got one more episode, by the way. This is not the end. One more episode uh, before a Euros-filled summer. And I know that we're excited about that, Lynn's. We are. There will be more to come. So watch this space. Yes, indeed. We'll make sure you tell your friends and family about us, especially if you're watching the Champions League final or the National League playoff. Until next week, we'll see you then. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. 